Hey guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we explore the films you love, but no one else gets, and see if they still hold up. Tonight, we're going back to 1986 with Blue Velvet, a weird art film that almost won David Lynch an Oscar for Best Director, but it didn't. (laughs) So let's start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. All right, guys, uh, we are all here. I am your host, Cody Everett, and we are talking about Blue Velvet from 1986. I am joined, as always, by Kyle Smith, Chris Willenbrecht, and Michael Saluccio. I was going to uh, say hi. Well, go ahead. Nah. Hi. I'm done. <laughs> okay, hi. <laughs> nah. This was Chris's pick. Uh, Chris, it's a David Lynch film. Tell us a little bit what it's about, and then after that, I want you to uh, tell me why you picked this movie. I'm very interested to know. Okay. Well, the back of the box synopsis is the discovery of a severed human ear found in a field leads a young man on an investigation related to a beautiful, mysterious nightclub singer and a group of psychopathic criminals who have kidnapped her child. And the reason I picked this movie is because I wanted to do a David Lynch movie. Um, And primarily because I wanted to know how Kyle and Cody would, uh, receive it um david lynch is not the easiest uh filmmaker he doesn't make the easiest films to digest yeah especially yeah especially on first watch um it's not something that most people can get into right away um so i want but he is an iconic filmmaker um you know he's very important in the filmmaking world and i wanted to do probably his most popular film or at least most, it, it's really up there. Yeah, it's really up it's, there. Uh, you know, you guys said with Dune was also another one. Um, yeah, but you know what? That doesn't really. It's, yeah. It doesn't reflect his style. Right. That was know. popular before he got there. Right. So I wanted to break in, and I felt like if there was going to be any film to 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 bring David Lynch into the podcast yeah. here, it's going to have to start with Blue Velvet. Okay. Eraserhead. You know, I know that's the one that he was sort of built on, um, yeah. but that film is even harder to digest than Blue Velvet. So I wanted to start with this. Okay, so then I feel like your question would be to me and Kyle right off the bat of <laughs> how, because uh, you directed it at us, how we would, you wanted to know how we would feel yeah, about yeah, this? Yeah, 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 I, I mean, I felt like Mike would probably be on board with yeah. this film, but I felt like you two would have a harder time with it. Yeah, so. I'm not going to jerk it off. That's fine. And some people feel that way about me. It. You thought I would have a hard time with it? I I'm just, not going to lie. I felt this I felt the same way. I was like, "Oh, Kyle might be on my side on this one." Yeah, I I don't know. I just <laughs> I I don't I don't I guess I didn't imagine that you would be into a David Lynch film um or maybe you wouldn't know how to feel about it. Maybe you'd be indifferent. So Yeah, but 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 I I I've, I'm well into very cerebral films overall in general, and David Lynch definitely falls in that category. Yeah, and if you okay. don't know who well, I don't who, know. I'm not attacking you. I'm just saying yeah, I feel like I'm being attacked right now, and if, I want you to stop. Okay. <laughs> hey, <laughs> bullying is not okay. Yeah. Okay? This is cyberbullying, technically, because we're on yeah. a podcast yeah. on the internet. <gasps> so we, we can't have that. Guys. If you don't know David Lynch, he's directed movies like Eraserhead, uh, Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, Twin Peaks, Wild at Heart, and Dune. Uh, some of them all huge successes, right? No. Twin right? Peaks no? is a huge Twin success. Twin Peaks yeah. is, a, yeah. is one of the biggest. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I mean, it did get canceled, right? 
<laughs> yeah, but it's coming back. It is coming back, yeah, in, a coming very, back. in a very big way. I mean, Fire Walk With Me, was that a, su- was that a successful film? I, I can't remember. I, I, I don't feel know. like in the, again, and maybe in the cult world. It but, was. For, pe- for fans <laughs> of that, of the TV show, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's still looked back on very fondly, mm-hmm. I think. It's so um, funny, uh, just while we're on the topic of Twin Peaks, because I recently went back and, and pretty much watched it all, and I tried to get my girlfriend Desiree into it, and she could never even make it through the credits yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> she would fall right asleep like every time I'd put it on, and to this day, she's like, I can't stand that show. Well, can I tell you, that is uh, that would be one of my recommendations if you um, are a David Lynch fan, is he's probably really good to fall asleep to. <laughs> he makes really Damn. good movies. That's to a fall fucking. To. That's a cut right there. You know what's funny? Um, I kid the David Lynch. You I want to I I I talk about something about David Lynch since you mentioned that. One of the things that used to irritate me since I was a big David Lynch fan, um, all of his DVDs had no uh, with with chapters. They didn't. T- he didn't m- made no chapters. Like there wouldn't be chapters at all, or there just wouldn't all. be chapter titles. You would put the DVD into the fucking DVD player, and it was just like you watch that whole just thing, start to finish, the, start to finish, <laughs> or you were out. Mm. And he did. I think I, I can't. He had to have done that. I on think purpose. he did it on purpose because because yeah, it's not like it's not like chapters. It's a power exist. move right there. No, he did. He did really <laughs> weird things in his DVDs that I feel like were artistic choices maybe maybe he's like, one of those fuck you i don't like dvd maybe he's one of those directors he's like i don't want you skipping to certain scenes i want you to see the progression of the story i think i think he is definitely that kind of guy and yeah. i think he did do it on purpose i mean i, I don't quote me on that maybe <laughs> that you got, a, be maybe you got a bad distributor that didn't know what the fuck they were doing but <laughs> i don't know to kind of go back to your thing though uh, about like maybe how a first time person like myself would would view it uh, i'll give you some feelings i had right um uncomfortable i was i was uncomfortable at times okay um and then uh, the other big one i remember is boredom okay boredom yeah okay those are the two feelings that i i I remember sticking out in this movie the most um anytime that uh did it fluctuate between uncomfortable and boredom yes it was just an uncomfortable boredom throughout the whole thing no no (laughs) it fluctuated between uncomfortable and boredom okay okay you never felt intrigued. You never no. felt like there was a mystery to be solved. No, you never it felt... was too um, Hardy Boys for me. Does that make hmm. sense? Who, I... Kyle McLaughlin specifically? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he gave off a very, like, and I feel like that's what he was going for. He gave off a very, like, Hardy Boys, like, in the very beginning of the film, which he's supposed to, right? He gives off this very innocent, like, I'm just looking into a mystery. Yes. Like, he's, like, Super fucking innocent. Scooby-Doo, yep. you know? Um, and then it goes hmm. into the, the to the underground stuff, okay. but um, and his character does go through some. It goes through changes. I yeah. mean, I mean, he goes through as a person because he is portrayed as that very innocent person. But then when he gets starts getting mixed up with Isabella Rossellini, his character changes. I think at least when he's with her. Yeah, it's uh, God. it's purposely done. So this is a this is a theme that happens in a lot of David Lynch films, especially like Mulholland Drive, the innocent person that comes into this seedy underworld and finds themselves stuck in it and then finds out that they have a little bit more uh, in common with that seedy underworld or maybe that it's always existed within them mm-hmm. throughout the whole time. This is a film that that definitely pulls that off. So, Kyle McLaughlin, so here's a weird thing about the film. Uh, did anybody, 
know what age he was supposed to be or what age she was uh, a sophomore in college. Okay, what what do you think Sandy was supposed to be? She was a senior in high school. Right. And then they're both going to a bar and drinking Heineken together. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was bizarre. It's a very it, bizarre the thing. Drinking, wasn't the drinking age 18, 18 at the time? I mean, maybe that's the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very possible so. to be an 18 year old okay. senior in high school. Did anybody know what time this took place in? It was uh to me it looked like it took place in like the they tried to make it look like in the fifties. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of weird, ambiguous things that I feel like coming from David Lynch as a as a type of filmmaker. The thing you have to know about David Lynch is that he came from a, a painting background. He was a painter first before he really delved into this. And everything that he does, especially specifically in visuals, is supposed to elicit a certain response from you. Like it's not it's not a mistake that he was made made you want to think this took place in the 50s or that he was an innocent person no, like yeah. these are all things that are i don't disagree very very deliberate and like it, like really deliberate to the point where he's just like hey sandy how are you doing today and like that's yeah that's a thing that that's supposed to well the whole metaphor yeah. at the beginning mike um the whole metaphor at the beginning where it's you know it's on the roses and it's this happy suburban kind of White looking neighborhood fences yeah and you know. then it goes down into the grass where you see all the insects mm-hmm. are doing what they're doing which is a almost gross kind of nasty shot you know yeah. it makes you feel very ugh, like you get you get itchy watching it you know and i think that's the overarching uh point point of this film you know is what looks good on the on the outside is not always good on the inside but also that there out of it is there's a world that exists within us all mm-hmm. that we are all okay for instance Cody you are a family man you have a child yeah a I wife have, I have one of those okay uh you're walking down the street and mm-hmm. then you witness a murder okay and now this person knows that you are a witness to this murder and he's out to kill you never you would have happen ne- no 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 but imagine this happens for a second there is a world that exists beyond your realm of 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 existence that is you have now been thrusted into yeah. And now you are knee deep in it. Like there's no way to get out. Well, that's why I try not to hide in closets. <laughs> but but understand that that this is exactly where this person is 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 put into. This is the thing that he 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 really it's the ear that puts him into this. He finds this ear and he's just trying to be a good Samaritan essentially mm-hmm. and be like, "Hey, I'm trying to figure Takes out Takes it to the sheriff. Yeah, yeah, hold on. That's another weird ism right there. Cuz am I the only one like you don't move evidence, son? If you're if you're gonna like call that out, like why are you moving evidence? Like there's also why would why would the police let him just hang out while they're combing through the evidence yeah. area? And it's just like it's really yeah. weird. No, I did say that too. I'm like, why is he? Even I'm there? like, why is he still here? Yeah. Like his his small town. Done. Yeah, it, it is a small town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got North that. Carolina. I, I no, like he said, there are things that kind of blatantly hit you over the head. You know what I mean? And I don't know if also if a sense maybe I got of pretentious is that is that. Pre- uh, what in terms of the filmmaking style y- yes. or like Sorry. I know I'm making an art film. Do you think he's doing it to deliberately confuse people? I mean, that could be a possibility. I don't think so. Okay, I I, I think he's real quick. I'll just say my my piece on it. I think he just is. He just this is the way he thinks, and this is the way things translate yeah, I don't feel in like his he, mind. I don't feel like he makes movies for people for anybody other than uh, himself. himself. I agree. Well, with that. I, I want to say something. Uh, yes. I I know exactly where you're coming from, because this is how my my experience with David Lynch was. This when I went to film school, I could not shut up about fucking Eraserhead. When I first saw it, I thought it was the most brilliant film I had ever seen, and I watched all these films, every single thing, and I was the biggest David Lynch fan. And then maybe three years down the line, 
I started thinking that he was that it was all smoke and mirrors and it was all bullshit. I that kind of like, feel that, that it way. was all like like you know how people talk about Jason uh, uh, Jackson Pollock paintings. They're just like, okay, well, how hard is it to just throw fucking paint at a canvas? You know, yeah. and then they maybe don't get it. Mm-hmm. That was me for a long time, where I was just like, he's just making weird shit, and maybe he's just fucking full of shit, and I there's no meaning or anything behind it. But delving into the man, delving into his works, specifically his short films, his paintings, like his music and shit, then it started becoming very, very clear that everything that he does is very, very deliberate. And a lot of it is meant to elicit a certain response in you, just like if you were to look at a a painting and say, okay, maybe the color red makes me feel aggressive or maybe thinks thinks of death or blood or whatever. That's what he's doing all the time. And that's what this film is a lot of what this film is about. So you're saying like if you got him and Crispin Glover in a room together, you'd have a really good party? They would fuck each other. (laughs) (laughs) With that being said, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about Blue Velvet. There are a couple of cases I get mixed up on, Mm -hmm. but one name that keeps coming up is this woman singer. She lives in an apartment building that is real close to your house. It's also close to the field where you found the year. It's a strange world, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know where this woman's apartment building is? Yeah, it's really close by. That's what's so creepy. They had her under surveillance for a couple months, except I don't know what they found out, because it's not my dad's case. So... I uh, guess you gotta get back home pretty soon, huh? Mm, Not really. Why? Well, uh... You want to see the building? Yeah. Come on, I'll show you. All right, guys, we are back, and we are talking about David Lynch's Blue Velvet. Came out in 1986, if we didn't already mention that. Had a, a budget of $6 million. It made $8.6 million, so huge success. Uh, it was filmed in <laughs> Vancouver, <laughs> uh, B.C., British Columbia. It's rated R, and has an astounding 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Astounding. Astounding. That's pretty good. The little sarca- little sarcasm. There, no, I no, dude. Like, Let me pose a question for you. Pose it. Why do you think it has a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, or why do people resonate with it? Do you think? I don't know if it resonates with a lot of people. I think it resonates with a lot of critics and a lot of art uh, uh, and like art film fans. But I don't think if you took this to to, to Midwest America and you threw this on the screen, I don't think you're gonna have a lot of people who are like. Hell yeah, blue velvet. Here's a question though. So a six million dollar budget and it makes eight point six million. People saw it. it could but, have made- wh- but why? Why do you think they did that? Who, I th- who are these people, and people- why did they spend their money? People who want to be shocked. I feel like I feel like part of the reason why why it it did it did make some of its money back has to also do with the fact that it, it did receive as equal amount of praise. It received the equal amount of people of critics just fucking killing it and shooting it down, and people want to go see a, a disaster. I mean. I mean, shit, Batman versus Superman, if we're going to bring it to modern times, had what, like a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes? And it did pretty fucking well. People well, like I mean, to see but also, like to, People like to see what's the big deal. Right, but 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 I imagine I imagine that your uh, uh, scope was very, very limited to either your local movie reviewer and maybe the New York Times guy or maybe the biggest guy Here, that you know or maybe Roger Ebert. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm wondering... I'm betting you where this movie two million dollars, okay, making its money back and two million plus is not it's not huge for the type of film it, I'm sure it is. It's, it's not huge numbers. It could have made those numbers in, in in easy like big art cities basically. It could have made that in L.A. Could have made it in New York. That's true. It could have made that money back there. 
So, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, I feel like if you threw this film up in middle America... How many cities did it open up in? Do we do we know? Because I thought I read somewhere that it didn't open. It could have had a limited release. I, it didn't open up in a lot of cities, right? But that's what. But that's what makes it a cult film, though. Also, right? Is it? Is it? It's not. It's not supposed to play for everyone. I I, I agree with that. I, I David Lynch films. I don't think play for everyone. Yeah. I don't think that's even the intention necessarily he doesn't strike me as the type of person who wants to make a blockbuster movie no. yeah. and don't, no, get, me, not don't at all. get me wrong I, it's not that i don't <laughs> see the art in this film i do see the art in this film but he did not do anything to make me care about the art in this film he put it in there because he cares about it it's important to him but it's not i don't feel like it's important for him to make it important to the audience it's, okay correct me if i'm wrong cody but i think kind of where cody's saying where i didn't care is I mean, caring caring about a film, film's different than art. Like, if I go look at a piece of art, like, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's right there, right? I have five minutes, basically, to take it in and have an assessment on it. When you sit down and commit to an hour and 45, or this movie is exactly two hours, um, you have to do a really well job of making me give a shit. And by doing, and the way you do that is by characterization and giving these characters backgrounds, motivation, dialogue, stuff that they can let me kind of, care about them in some way and maybe in that regard there was because i mean me personally like watching the film i would say like like i feel like 50 percent of the dialogue is gold and then the other 50 percent is like what 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 were you even looking at the typewriter when you're when you're typing shit out like okay it's it's this movie i feel like for me is 50 percent in the middle so I can appreciate the art side of some of it and some of the deeper conversations and dialogue and symbolism because I do have like, especially in terms of this style of film, because I have a pretty strong obsession with film noir in my background. So this played to what I've already watched and I'm used to, I'm used to slow burn mysteries, but to Cody's point, somebody who's just, I feel like Cody represents like middle America, right? I I do. And for Missouri. Him, for, <laughs> but, That's but, and and, yeah. and and there wasn't enough in there. There wasn't enough in there. I feel like for the average person to give a shit in terms of like characters or writing. Oh, I agree. Shit. I agree one hundred percent. Um, there was a lot of deep symbolism that you can really fucking appreciate yeah. when you're in it. The, the the dialogue thing bothers me a little bit from what you're saying. There there is a there is a thing that I, I personally believe that dialogue is not is 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 supremely overrated when it comes to certain films mm-hmm. that like just because you say something cool doesn't no it doesn't make... it's not it, the actor has a lot to do with it as well uh, it, it, it's very possible and and there is a uh, a commonality within uh, uh david lynch films that the actors seem like they're just delivering very very direct lines um cardboard so for instance uh there's a moment where jeffrey goes into um he meets for the father for the first time, and he has the ear, right? Yes. And, I, and I'm going to quote this directly. The father says, Well, Jeffrey, you found something which is very interesting to us. Very interesting. I know you must be curious to know more, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to not only not tell anyone what you found, but also to not ask any more about this case. Okay. Like That's a very deliberate line that's meant to tell Jeffrey to not continue on his journey of curiosity because it is going to lead him into a realm 
where he's going to discover more about himself than he wants to know. Oddly enough, I didn't find that line. That wasn't a particular line. Actually, when I saw that line, it 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 just I just read it as like it's just a cop who's like saying, "Hey, like don't fucking I, ask about it." Maybe maybe it wasn't the way it was delivered was definitely more dry. Yeah, I guess and and, and void well, of emotion, what, but. It didn't, very, it didn't. Dist- it didn't. Di- that's not what I, that didn't no. detract me from the film. There was, it was with Jeffrey. Jeffrey specifically, like there were scenes where he, as an actor, he was he had presence, right, delivering lines, and they could be the simplest of lines, but adjoining scenes, he seemed vacant and almost hollow. I think that, man, Chris, can you back me up? I mean, that's a lot of. I feel like David Lynch oh. films. I also feel like it's a lot of Kubrick's film. Like there's a lot of vacancy in the characterization and more pressed upon what they say and what they do. Yeah, I think that that's just a trait that you see often in the characters that he puts on screen. Um, I don't know what he tells them before they get up and start acting, but they all seem to have that vacant is the best way I can put yeah, it. Yeah, vacant is a really good word. Sort of uh, feel to them and that could add to the boringness of the film is the fact that they do that. But well, that's what, that's what I was going to say. I'll put it in an analogy like this, like pizza, right? Do you want to eat a pizza? I do want to eat pizza. Yeah. Right now. Do you want to eat a pizza with like a lot of flavor? That's really good. Or do you want to eat a pizza that's made like, you know, cardboard? Well, a $5 hot and ready. I'll put it better to you. Do you want to have a pizza that has is loaded with toppings? Or do you want to have a, a deconstructed thing that really accentuates like one specific flavor? No, I like you my no. Me? I want a pizza. I want a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you might appreciate the film more if I tell you this. Um, this film, the original cut, was four hours long. Oh, I believe it. This is this the original cut was four hours long on this film, and they made him cut it down to two hours, and he cut it right at the two hour mark. It, yeah, and it, and it's done on purpose, right at one hour. Exactly is where fucking Kyle McLaughlin says I'm right in the middle of a mystery. That's awesome. I didn't realize that. That's the beauty. But those there's tons of shit like that about yeah, David. Lynch. No, and which is awesome if you're like a hardcore film nerd. But th- again, that's what I guess what makes this a cult film, right? For certain people, this is going to be like you can read into this mm-hmm. like so much. It's crazy. It gives you a little more than just the yeah. average. What do we always say? Popcorn film. Yeah. It's, and I it's, understand that. Yeah. But I don't even think. I don't even think this is even close to a popcorn film. No, no, it's it definitely not. isn't. Yeah. He doesn't even have a. <laughs> he doesn't even have a kernel. I want to get into to a couple of the actors if we can real quick and some of their performances. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this was a like, almost in a way like a comeback performance for Dennis Hopper as Frank. Yeah, right? I'm, yeah, I, I mean, think I think this is supposed to be pretty big for him, but I think he demanded to have this role, which I found weird because to me. It was just Dennis Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper, just to eleven. Like it, most of the time, I mean, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he chose it. Here's because... the lines you're fed. Like he said the lines. I'm, here's the lines I'm fed. I'm going to say I'm crazy because I'm Dennis Hopper. I think Dennis Hopper's got one of those situations where he can never not be looked at as as, a, as a certain way. Like I, yeah. you know, and that's just I don't. What do you call that? You just sort of get typecast, and you're not even typecast. You're just that's. You, no, I think how, how I think I he acted. It? I think I think I think Dennis Hopper acted um, exactly how he wanted to act. I mean, I feel like this might even be a little bit of a shining kind of moment where Nicholson just showed up and like Kubrick was like, 
do your line. He did it. He's like, perfect, good. And then when he when he first started working with um with a she- uh Shelly Long, Shelly Long, no, he's just Shelley like Shell. Oh, Shelly, oh, Shelly Duvall. I'm sorry, <laughs> you said Shelly Long. And I said the same thing. <laughs> no. Why did you say that? Why did you make me agree with you? You know, cheers. <laughs> yeah, but no, sorry. Shelly Duvall showed up, and he he was like, he had very specific ways she needed to do things. Like I feel like this kind of a similar situation when Des Hopper showed up. He was like, I got this. Did my shit bounce and then he like lynch took time calming and then directing more so the other it, it's people. possible i will say one thing about lynch is that the actors that uh work with him always come back jack nance is almost in every single one of his films from a racer head on um he has worked with uh, a multi uh uh laura dern laura dern laura dern exactly yes has been in multiple films uh, that he's done and and they speak praises about him they like him he he is a very nice man no no like, i'm sure as far he, as i understand listen I can tell he can direct because I, not only because there is got to be some direction and uh, Isabella uh, was Rosaline her performance number one is amazing it is hands down probably the best thing that I found about this film it, that's the thing that made me feel uncomfortable was her performance and it is it was so goddamn good like it was frightening yeah. at times it was like dude very it, believable oh man her her nuts level was. The the places she had to go to get into that character, but I also, is almost more interesting than the film. Yeah, I also think that's that's a very deliberate thing. I think that she was supposed to be the one character that showed uh, real emotion because everybody else is kind of like a archetype of some like suburban fifties era character or whatever. Logging like town. like yeah, Sandy is definitely supposed to be this pretty. Uh, pristine kind of like the opposite of essentially of what Dorothy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Dorothy is supposed to be that person that is delved purely in her emotion mm-hmm. and not is not an archetype of anything really, uh, unless you count her as like a sex pot or something. Yeah, femme, mm-hmm. femme fatale. That's yeah. like, well, that's the kind of thing that made me feel uncomfortable too is it's like, I felt like her character in a sense was taken advantage of sexually. Well, <laughs> yeah. By Jeffrey, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's yeah. that's that's very purposeful, you know, and that that's where I got the uncomfortable feeling from, and it wasn't so much the actions that were on film; it was the choice that the character made to, to I guess, to make those choices because I don't think that way. Well, so did Jeffrey. That was the whole. He point didn't think that way, but then he no, no, did. that he felt uncomfortable. Yeah, that that was that was the whole thing. Is that. So a lot of this film has to do with discovery, not only of a mystery or the plot that you're trying to discover, but also of, of who he was. And he found out very quickly, just like Dennis Hopper says, when he looks back in the car and he says, there's a little bit of you and me. Mm-hmm. You're just like me. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes that very quickly when he hits his, Isabella Rosalini in the bed, that he, that he is just, he's not just doing this just to find her, child, the, her husband and her kid. He's also doing this because he wants to have sex with her, because he also has this need dark desire yep yeah absolutely yeah and that's what this the, well yeah. i mean for crying out loud you know right when he he goes to laura dern and basically has this plan to break into her apartment and she's like i can't help you do that i'm not listening to any more of this and he convinces her that no it'll be safe it'll be fine it's like well who who in their right mind thinks it's okay to go and just break into somebody's apartment and then hide in the damn closet when all this shit's going down and keep coming back and still feel safe, he's attracted by the darkness. So here's something about, about the character of Jeffrey that I took from the film is that 
<clears throat> all that stuff in the beginning where he's trying to find out about the year. He's even even uh, even at the point where he's talking about breaking into an apartment. I feel like all of that is done from a place of um, innocent curiosity, mm-hmm. and I don't legitimately believe he had quite had a quote unquote dark side. I feel like what happened was once he basically went underground into this dark world. He was more or less experiencing it and exploring it and trying it out for himself and wanted to see what it was like from, oh, shit, we don't have the board in front of me anymore. Frank's. Uh, Frank's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. The whole the whole part of Blue Velvet, I feel, uh, if there's one underlying theme, is that there is a world that exists that you might think you're separate from, but you're fucking not. Mm-hmm. Like, and... You think that you're this this homegrown fucking suburbanite, but guess what? Like the, all the things that spurn a criminal, those exist within you. It's somewhere, mm-hmm. and all you need is the catalyst to fucking hit it, and then that will show your true colors. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with the character of Jeffrey, that's exactly what happens. Keep in mind that the whole reason he starts this, I'm going to try to solve the mystery myself, is because, as as I took it, um, his father has a stroke. And then he feels it's his responsibility to put together back that family unit that Isabella Rosalind Dorothy's character has lost. I'm going to bring you back your husband. I'm going to bring you back your child. I'm going to be the person that fucking takes over this this job mm-hmm. as the patriarch of this family because I just lost my own patriarch. Um, instead, what happens is um, he has sex with this woman, and it seems like it's he he cares a little less about the child. He cares a little less about it. I think he's a little bit more uh, intrigued by the sex and maybe even a little bit of the violence. There's a lot to be said about the fact that he is in that closet and that he's staring about this. I think it is about this whole male gaze kind of issue mm-hmm. of uh, uh, you see something that titillates you and you want to be a part of that world. Who is this fuck? My friend. He's from the neighborhood. We were just talking. Oh. You're from the neighborhood. Yeah. Your neighbor. But what's your name, neighbor? Jeffrey. He's a good kid, Frank. Shut the fuck up. Hey, you wanna go for a ride? No thanks. What, what, what does that mean? I don't want to go. Go where? For a ride. A ride. Now that's a good idea. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Get your fucking robe, Raymond. Come on, we're gonna go for a joyride. Joyride. All right, guys, we are back. We are talking about Blue Velvet, and let's get into some of the technical stuff. Like I said before, I think it's pretty flawless. Uh, one of my favorite things in this movie that I, I took from it was, uh, I don't know who composed it. I don't know if anybody has it on them. I can tell you who composed it. His name is Angelo. This is a really long Italian name, and I'm Italian. Badalmamente. Well, you killed it, Angelo. Badalmamente, and he did... Uh, he did Twin Peaks. He did The Beach, Mulholland Drive, Blue Velvet. He's done every. He's yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Master of None. Strangely enough. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> Masters of go. the Universe. No. Just... 
<laughs> but no, it, that's who we did. It. That was the one thing that that really stood out to me, at least. Um, For me, lighting probably was a big thing. Um, usually is in a David Lynch movie. It's it's. I think it's kind of a staple of his is to have this really moody lighting. Yeah. Um, and uh, cinematography, yeah, pretty pretty spot on. Yeah, top notch. It's really good. Not really any like stunts to speak of, right? I mean, that's. I mean, there's not a lot of a whole lot of action in this movie, and when it does happen, it comes from well, it comes from. It happens at the Hopper, end. Uh, I will Dennis say Hopper. that. Well, I will say that the uh, gunshot through Dennis Hopper's head. Oh, you're is right. Almost is almost like, like over the top, like street trash kind of shit, like head exploding. I'm not gonna lie, like, I, lo- I loved it. It was it was a very rewarding out. <laughs> yeah. moment in the film because because. Dennis Hopper really like as you watch it, he is so evil, you know, and you want him, and he's coming after Jeffrey, and you want him to die, and that gunshot to the head is very rewarding. Here's my question for you though, with the cinematography, as it's not, it doesn't seem like a like I guess dynamic would be the word I would use. I disagree, but go on. Um, <laughs> well, no, I I don't think it's dynamic in the way that it's maybe shot or camera angles or or you know what I mean like that, but it's dynamic as far as I feel like set set up. As far because right the symbolism in the oh yeah things the artistic the set, like the red curtains or mm-hmm. you know set design uh, set design is really important yeah I'm saying I think I think that sets up the cinematography more than maybe like the you know what I mean it's not like going through a keyhole down through the crack of the floor you know crane shot over to the uh, he the used wet, a lot of like weird you know. macro photography that goes into the grass yeah. and sees ants like real close but there's other things too that very is uh, but that's more symbolism too right the- yeah yeah there's a lot of symbolism like uh, a lot of the uh, i feel like a lot of cinematography is meant to uh at least mimic a 1950s movie i agree no offense the 1950s had very boring cinematography really like, there's a lot of like dutch angles long long I'm shots i'm not a big fan of there's it. also a lot of shots that are pulled right out of vertigo in this fucking film like mm. right out of vertigo it felt hitchcock long a bit long oh, hallways like- just like shooting yeah. right all the way down there like Things are going on in the background. Things are going on in the foreground. It's like big, long mm-hmm. shots. Yeah, because they shoot all the way from the the view of the closet all the way down the hall back into, into the bathroom, the, and everything naked, is in yeah. focus in between. And, and that's pulled right out of Vertigo because that whole movie is about and, and like rear view. Was it rear mirror? Uh, rear, rear window. Rear window. Rear window. Yeah. Like a lot of that voyeuristic, mm-hmm. like totally. Yeah, that long shot stuff to make you feel like you're seeing something far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She did look far away. <laughs> she was far away. I could barely make out her butt. How about some of the quotes? I mean, Dennis Hopper's got some pretty strange lines. Yeah, mommy. Yep. <laughs> it just does. It's like dinner hopper. Dennis, like I said, it's dinner like dinner hopper. Like, it's like dinner hopperisms. <laughs> or what's the I want your disease in me? Yeah, yeah. that's the one that stuck with Good me one. the most because that was. Can disturbing. you explain that to me, Mike? Yeah, I don't really know what that means. It means semen. But why she, did she kept keep, his semen? In she her. she refers to it as a disease. Yes, I think it got him off. Yeah, and that's that, part of she it, knew what to say to get him off to let it just to end. Man, I hate to say end it because there is there is a level of whether or not she as a character wanted this to some, or whether she had been conditioned in some way to want this at some point in time. But I mean, yeah, I think there was. She definitely didn't want Frank. I don't think so. Yeah. She wanted her son, which I think oh, she, was, she was trying to appease absolutely. Frank to hopefully in the hopes to get her son back. But, but why? Why to ask? For those same things through Jeffrey, who is actually trying to get her son back, whether to lure him, probably to do because it or... she's she she's just conditioned to that, and she that's what I'm saying. Know, she doesn't yeah. know anything better. She doesn't know any better 
she just she doesn't know this person, but all she knows about him so far is that he broke into her apartment and is hiding in her closet. So she has to just kind of assume he's probably of the same caliber or is capable of the same character traits as yeah. the bad people in her life. I mean, that's very that's very possible. It's how she communicates. But the disease thing, I, d- I definitely feel it was a. Uh, I feel like that was a Frank thing that Frank wanted. It was yeah, part, yeah. It was and part, I think it was part, been it was this part of his thing that he that he likes to hear. She knew what to do. She's like, yeah, you cut off a piece <clears> of my blue velvet. Robe, and then you put it in your mouth, and you call me mommy, mommy and all this other it's bullshit. All weird. I think it's like I just go through the motions and I get it through done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's all yeah, it's all weird. Emotionally abused people just emotionally abusing each other. <laughs> like, that's yeah, yeah. It's a very exhibit way. To, Woo! Exhibit way to put it. Fun time. Exhibit. Yeah. Exhibit like the rapper. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're emotionally abusing on abusing and emotionally abusing because you abuse it. Like it's that. I'm going to say a quote that I fucking love because there's a part of me that it's presented as this artistic statement, but I really think it was just a uh, 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 product placement. They really push Heineken. Oh, they did. They oh, yeah. certainly do. It's like, you like a Heineken? Yeah. I mean, no, I'm out. I was really I wondering. Love Heineken. <laughs> I was wondering if David Lynch just really loves Heineken and he wanted to just give a shout out. That scene felt so like that. That 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 whole scene just felt a little shoehorned into it. I mean, I, I I understand I understand the artistic merit that's probably there, but the simple fact that it's just like pours beer is like. Ah. I like Heineken. It's just like an awkward pause between them. It's like, okay, What's well, the whole let's thing go. with Paps, though? I mean, that's a thing. They even bring up Bud. Here's what I here's what I think would happen. I think that he said, I need to get product money. And then Heineken's like, we'll pay you, but you got to put it in there. And he's like, look, I'm a fucking artist. Like, <laughs> I got to do this. I got to do this my way. So he turned Heineken into not only a product, but also a plot point. Because it's what essentially gets him caught with Isabella Rosini. Because he can't hear the honk of the horn, right. because he even says, he's like, "Oh, I gotta piss." In somebody's apartment, you're breaking into. Sorry, I know. Sorry, my waterworks would be shut down. <laughs> but shut I'd down be because you have morals. But he makes a joke about it where he says, "Oh, Heineken," like because he drank too no, many. No, I, I, I understand that. My like, my, he my argument, seal. my argument is, who breaks into someone's apartment and is like, "Hey, you know, what? I gotta take a piss really quick." Like, no, you don't. You don't have to pee. You hold it. You can hold it. And I've said, been there. I've been there with alcohol. Breaking into someone's apartment and having to take a piss. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned a lot about Mike tonight. That. I've definitely been to the point where I have I have uh, uh, drank so much and I'm in a, in a movie and I'm really entranced in it. And I'm like, I can't watch any more of this movie. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm going to miss all these plot yeah, points. Yeah, this is but totally go different. To this is totally different. This is you watching a movie versus you in a place you shouldn't be. And if all you get I'm saying caught, is that it was a very clever way arrested to put it. is a, 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 bad, a bad scene. It's just a plot device to get him to not be able to leave. That's all that scene was. All right, guys. So we're going to rate this Mammer Jammer. Let's do it. Chris, what are we rating it? We're going to rate it severed ears. I'll go first. I'll jump into the fire first. I feel like I will say this. Um, If you like art films, man, this is probably right up your alley. Um, It's a solid movie. It's made really well. Um, But I'll tell you what. uh, I like to be entertained. And made to think, and I don't feel like he hit the entertainment element maybe with this movie as much as he hit the think element with this. I like to be entertained at the same time. So I just got, I don't know, for me, it's just a boring movie. Um, When I did pay attention, it was when Isabella was on the screen. She's amazing. She, I think she's a very brave actress for how she played this role. She played it so realistically and just so well. Um, I, if anyone d- deserved an Oscar nod, in my opinion, it would be her. 
um, for this movie. But uh, if I was going to rate this, I would never watch this movie again. <laughs> um, I would have to give this... I mean, I'm going to give it 2.5 because I respect it as a film, but um, otherwise from that, like that's 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 pretty much it. Huh. <laughs> a lot of huns going on there. Next up, let's go with Michael Salustio. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mirror a little bit what you just said, Cody. Um, so I was a huge I, I I still am now a huge David Lynch fan. Um, this was one of those films that I couldn't get through. Uh, I would always fall asleep during. I used to think exactly what you said. This is a very very boring film. It wasn't exciting. Um, I am glad that Chris picked this film so I could see it again, so it could put it back into the library of the great David Lynch films that I love. Because now I'm going to tell you right now, this is this might now be one of the ones that are on the top there. I'm going to give this four severed ears. I fucking love this film. It was fantastic. Seeing it again, really, like for the fifth time, really, quite honestly. But seeing it again, maybe maybe at my age, I don't know what it was. Um, I see the beauty in it. It's it's a fantastic film. If you like David Lynch, this this deserves to be at the top of your David Lynch films, quite honestly. So yeah, four severed ears. I don't know what it was either. You get four severed ears. All right, Kyle. Hmm. Well, Cody, I mean, you kind of threw me off with your two point five because I was going to give it a two point five. You rated it much higher than I thought you would, which <laughs> means I'm gonna have to rate mine higher because I mean, I definitely enjoyed the film uh, a bit more than you did. Um, so I have a a pretty good background of uh, film noir love and. Um, a lot of those movies from the fifties. I mean, they 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 don't bake on entertainment. The film noirs. They it's more of a mystery and it's more intrigue and it's more slow burn. And I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay. With, I I like the symbolism. I especially enjoy it when I know where it's coming from or where it's trying to point to. Um, but that's part of a mystery. It's part of kind of figuring it out. And um, that's pretty much peppered throughout this entire film. Um, I'm gonna give it. I guess I'm going to go higher than you, obviously. I'm going to give it a 3.5. It's not the most entertaining film, but it's David Lynch, so it wouldn't be entertaining per se. It's definitely more cerebral. So, I mean, I don't know if I'll watch it again. I might watch it again just because. You want to fall asleep? All right, Chris. I don't know. You're up next. Thanks for cutting me (laughs) off. So, (laughs) fucking asshole. What a dick. All right, Chris. How many severed ears? Blue Velvet's going to get 3.5 from me as well. Um, This is not my favorite David Lynch film, um, although I do like David Lynch as a director because his films do seem so mysterious to me, uh, and there's always new things I can pick up on every time I watch one. But I do agree that this one is um, feels like a very slow film. Um, the, the, the scenes that really keep me intrigued are obviously the ones with Isabella and um, the ones with Dennis Hopper. Um, it's the most action that you get in this film. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's very surreal, cerebral, very poetic, very metaphoric. It's, you know, it's got a lot of layers to it, like most of his films do. So you have to sit down and really pay attention and invest your time um, if you're going to be taking away any kind of uh, like for this film. Um, but, uh, you know, I, on to be honest, I think this film could have been an hour and a half. I don't, you know, if it was cut down from four hours to two. I think it could have lost 30 minutes still. 
Um, but uh, yeah, three and a half. And I would recommend this to anybody who's studying film, of course, and, and wants to understand a, a director that is definitely off the beaten path from most. I feel like I have to lower mine now because you get the same <laughs> as mine and you liked it a little bit more than I did. Can you do like a 3.75? <laughs> you can go down to a three. You'd be right in the middle. I liked where I was at, though. I felt like he should have gone to a three. I was saying that's myself. I, I thought you were going to go four at least. Yeah, no. I thought, actually I thought I, you were going to go higher. I thought if, you were going to go five. If this was, um, if this was Lost Highway, I probably, yeah. or you know, I probably would have given it a higher rating. I so like it's that a more film entertaining better. film. Yeah, I like that film better than this film. Um, I do respect the shit out of this movie, though. I think it's a very important. It's, it's film, not hard. But... To, it's not it, you. You can't not respect it, right? That's why I gave it a two point five because I don't think you can't not respect it. That's our show for this week, guys. Make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at cultfilm underscore view. You can also follow us on Twitter at that. You can follow us on Facebook. You can also subscribe to our damn show. Please. That, that's probably the best way. That's the best way. Do you want to hear us? Yeah. Yeah. It automatically downloads. You don't we have to worry to about you. it. You don't have to come to us. You don't have to look for it. It just automatically downloads right there. It's that easy. Kyle. It's that easy. Thank you. You can follow Kyle. Ah! You can follow me, ColtFilm underscore Kyle, on Instagram. And, well, I'm just going to say that. I don't even go on Twitter anymore. What you, the fuck's the point? Yeah, okay. you, <laughs> Don't follow me there, guys. You can follow Chris. Ah! You can go to uh, Instagram. Follow me at ColtFilm underscore Chris. Or you can go to Midnight Releasing and check out some upcoming independent horror film releases. Any new one that they should be on the lookout for? Nope. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> You can follow Michael nope. Salustio at... I, I am actually on Twitter. You, you can follow me at, at Mike Salustio. No cult film. No cult film in that name. Because you're not cult. I like how you're using <laughs> that as a as Well, a none label. of us are cult. We've already discovered that. <laughs> yeah. Social media has told us. All right, guys. And you can follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram. And just remember, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week.